Thanks, worship team. Good morning, everybody. Go ahead and pull out your Bibles. <clears throat> Something that you can take notes with. And you can open your Bible to Hebrews 11 this morning. Hebrews 11. Thanks for sharing, Bo. Planting churches is a good thing. All right, I got a lot to cover, so we're jumping in. We are continuing our series this morning, Bring Me Another Jar, that we started uh, at the beginning of the year, and we're going to be continuing for a little while longer. Every year, as we begin a new year, we, as leadership, seek the Lord and say, you know, God, is there anything specific that you would speak to us to be uh, focusing on this year in your word? And we usually build the beginning of our year off of that. And so for us this year, we are highlighting just a simple phrase out of 2 Kings 4, a story where a woman uh, needs God. God's provision. She comes to the prophet, says, I need God to move. She's desperate. He asks her, what do you have? All she has is a little jar with a little bit of oil in it. And he tells her, go knock on all your neighbor's doors, find empty jars and not too few. Don't get too few of them. Get a bunch of them, as many as you can. Then go into your house with your sons, lock the door, and start filling them with the little oil that you have. And she does this. She brings empty jars to the Lord, and he fills them with oil and provides for her. And we're talking this year that we are sensing and, and hearing uh, the, the, the invitation from God that is always true for all people. But we're just using this language for it. And God is looking at us, and he's saying to all of us, bring me another jar. Find empty jars in your life. We're talking about empty moments in our life that we, can, that we can find or that we can create empty jars and come to him and say, God, I'm emptying this out or I'm already empty and I need you to fill me with you. That's what the oil represents in the word of God is that God wants to fill us with himself. We've been saying over the last month or so, I am the jar. I am the jar. So we are talking about how do we find or create empty moments, empty space in our life that we can bring to the Lord to fill with himself. Last week, uh, so over February, what we're focusing on over these few weeks is finding things that we need to empty out in our life and come to God and say, okay, Lord, fill me with, with your truth. Fill me with you. Last week, we talked about our idea or concept or understanding of our calling. That we need to empty out the idea that this is a, a primarily personal thing, that what I'm mostly waiting on from God is clarity on my calling as an individual. We came to the Word of God and said, Lord, I don't need fresh vision for myself. I need refreshed vision on what does it mean to be called as a Christian, called as a person of God. Was anybody here last week? Were you encouraged by what the Bible says about you? Good. So I hope that, that we can be a people who empty out that jar. We come to the Lord and say, God, fill me with what you have to say about, about my calling and about who I'm called to be as a Christian. That's what we've been discussing, or we started last week, and that's what we're going to be focusing on the next few weeks. As we get into um, this morning, I'm not exactly sure uh, what the next two weeks, I know what they're going to be about, but I don't know how they're going to go, because I haven't really written it all yet. But I know that um, this morning is going to be a little bit dense. So there we go. At least to me it is. You might be like, this is, this is very elementary. But for me, it feels a little dense. So what I want to do is I want to lean in on two things that's to, to benefit you. Uh, to, so that we can strengthen you as much as possible in our short time together. Number one, this is being recorded. I shared some of this with Heather last night, and she was like, 
People might need to listen to that a few times. So if you feel that, that's okay. You can listen to it later. And number two, uh, Sam and I have been discussing a few different things recently, but if you have questions or need clarity on something that I say or don't say specifically this morning, email Sam and we'll do a podcast about it or we'll discuss it or something like that. Um, that we found that as a good venue for some ongoing conversation sometimes on things that, that we can't fully deal with in our short time together. So you can email him, sam at antiochindy.com. If you have any thoughts, questions or anything you'd like to hear discussed more in the next week or two, and we'll do our best to do that together. Amen? Amen. So last week, Bo uh, told us and reminded us, we talked about the five values, five Christian values that are going to help mobilize you in walking in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Those five values are lifestyle practices that are outlined for us through scripture and affirmed through church history that act for us as sort of the vehicle by which you can walk out your calling as a Christian. I, I gave you a bunch of verses and inspiration, or maybe you walked into church this morning and you saw our vision written on the wall. Vision is great, but we got to be able to do it. And that's what the values are. It's the vehicle for which uh, that, that, that mobilizes you to live your or live God's vision for you as a Christian. So last week, we talked about these five values. Over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about three theological virtues. The three theological virtues, faith, hope, and love. These three weeks are going to be helpful for any of you who wanted some more direction from a message that I preached on September 19th last fall when we talked about living principled lives. You may or may not remember that. If you don't, that's okay. Just skip that part. So we're going to be talking over these few weeks about the three theological virtues. There are seven Christian virtues that are character traits demonstrated by a person who is walking in a manner worthy of the calling to which he has been called as a Christian. The four cardinal virtues, four of them are called the cardinal virtues. They are temperance, justice, prudence, and fortitude. These are character traits that are not unique to Christians, these are just simply the character traits of a good person. These are character traits that a good person demonstrates. In discussion about these four virtues, what, what, what is it that makes a good person? How do we put language to that? What are the virtues that a good person demonstrates? Conversation about those things goes as, at least as far back as Plato. So they've been around for a little while. That these are the character traits of, of a good person. The three theological virtues are faith, hope, and love. These are given to us in abundant clarity in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. They're called theological virtues because they specifically and primarily deal with how we live in relationship to God. These aren't just good things we do as good people. These are, these are the things that actually let us live in relationship with God himself. So the cardinal virtues relate to an individual an individual's personal character and, and an individual's interaction with the people around them, the world around them. These are common, in other words. They're, they're common things. They're common in that these are good for everyone to aspire to and practice in their own character. The theological virtues relate to an, an individual's relationship with God, which is to say that these virtues are not common. They're not common because they do not come from man. 
They do not come from a person. They do not come from yourself. They are theological in that they are from God. They are empowered by God and they focus on God. So we're going to spend the next three weeks on the theological virtues because we want to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we have been called. And we are growing in receiving these. We, we want to, we're going to grow over these three weeks in receiving these theological virtues by the Holy Spirit. Grow in living them out as we are yoked to Jesus so that we live lives that glorify our Father in heaven. Is anybody here for that? Good. So this morning we are going to start with faith. Faith. Would you stand for the reading of the word of God? Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found, because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for your presence here among us and our opportunity to be together. We submit this time to you, Lord Jesus. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us By your word, you would shape us and nourish us. I pray that you would make us hungry. I pray that you would give me clarity, Holy Spirit, to speak your word in your power for your purposes and that we would all be ready to receive with open and hungry hearts the seed of the kingdom that you're sowing among us. And I pray, God, that the things that we learn from you this morning would grow would grow into a great harvest, would go into a great harvest for your glory and for your kingdom. We need you. We're here for you. We surrender to you. And we ask that you come teach us in your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go ahead and take a seat. What is faith? We should kind of all know what that is, right? We've all got faith. We talk about faith. We live by faith. Everybody knows what faith is. So what is it? What exactly is faith? I would suspect that if you grew up Catholic, you probably heard about faith and catechism. 
If you grew up Protestant, you probably didn't hear a whole lot of teaching on faith. You probably heard the word a lot, but maybe not a bunch of teaching on it. Unless maybe you grew up charismatic, and then you heard probably a lot about faith, and it was probably really loud and really crazy, and it probably had a lot to do with energetic people talking about miracles. If you didn't grow up in church, then you... You know, like I did, you drove down 69 this morning and you saw a billboard that said, have faith. Okay. <laughs> Got it? I don't know. What, what is it? What is faith? Is it hype? Is it excitement? Is it miracles? Is it breakthrough? Is it positivity and good vibes? Is it vision? Is it imagination? Is it declaration? Is faith just not saying anything negative? Can you measure faith? If so, how do you measure it? How do you know if you're full of faith or not? If you're not scared? If you're happy? If you're positive? If you just know something beyond a shadow of a doubt, if you feel good, and where do you get faith? The billboard said I need to have it. (laughs) Where do I get it? Where do I get faith? Do I get it from thinking positive things? Do I get it from declaring out what I'm believing for or dreaming of? Do I get it from a song that I really like? Do I get it from encouraging declarations or encouragement from my friends? Do I get it from coming to the front of church at the end of the service? What does a person of faith look like? How do I look at somebody and know they have faith? Do they get their way all the time? And life goes well for them? Do they have a lot of followers on social media and all the influence they decreed and declared a little while ago? Is a person of faith the loudest one on the microphone? Does a person of faith, just whoever the people are doing miracles, the ones with financial success? Is faith spelled R-I-S-K? What should I expect to get from God if I have faith? Everything I ask for in prayer? The power to throw mountains into the sea? Whatever I agree on with another believer? Health, wealth, and prosperity? Kids that love God? The job that I want? The pain to go away? Is that how I know that I really have faith? If I have faith, what do I have to throw away? Logic? Reason? My brain? Science? Let's go to the Word of God. (laughs) Hebrews 11.1. Are we empty now? (laughs) Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is assurance, and faith is conviction. Let's start our brief 
discussion this morning that will not be exhaustive about faith by understanding that faith is peaceful and steady. It is not anxious and fickle. Assurance. Conviction. Those are two very peaceful words. Those are two very sturdy words. Have you ever noticed how hard it is to maybe, for example, argue for something that you're assured of? It's actually hard to, to kind of stand for it or clarify it because you're just so, it's like I, I'm having a hard time understanding the question. It's really easy to argue about things that are kind of like, you know, less than 80% sure. But when I'm assured of something and you're like, how do you know? You're like, I, I mean, like, just, duh, I don't, you know, <laughs> assurance. I, I'm so assured. I, I, it's not one of the things I'm freaking out about. I'm at peace with it. I'm assured. Conviction. Similarly, it, it's, hard to, it's hard to start, it's hard to know where to start trying to convince something. Mm. It's hard to know where to start trying to convince someone of something you're completely convinced of. It just... Faith is peaceful and steady. It's not anxious and fickle. Faith is assurance that God is real, He is present, and He is good. I am assured of this. Faith is conviction that God is able to do all that he wills to do. I am, I am at peace with who God is. And I am steady in his strength. Because God is able to do all that he wills. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Verse 2 for by it, the people of old received their commendation. So what is faith all about? We know what it is. Now, now, what is it all about? Well, by faith, the people of old received their commendation. Faith, the, what faith is about, what faith brings you to, is, the, is, is to be commended before God and to please him. That's, that's what faith does. It, it, it brings you into a place of being commended before God and pleasing him. God is the object of faith. Okay, we'll go, we'll go around this way. You're not the object of faith. Your faith isn't in you. Your desires and emotions aren't the thing that your faith is in. And it's not the thing that faith is pointed to. Faith is in God. Faith is rooted in God. Faith is about God. Faith takes me to God. Faith is not taking me to the deepest desires of my heart. Faith is taking me to stand before God and have him say, I commend you. Faith is bringing me, where faith is taking me, is, is, is near to God and him saying, you please me. That's where I'm trying to get to in faith. God is the object of faith. By faith, what we receive is his righteousness. 
That's the breakthrough I need by faith, is his righteousness. By faith we receive, just like the saints of old, our commendation before God. Abel, we learn, offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. How? By faith. By orienting around the desire of God. Abel's offering was what God wanted. That's why God accepted it. He gave God what God desired the way God desired it. In response to knowing God through what God said he wanted. Abel did not initiate anything by himself or from himself. He responded. His offering was a response to God according to God who really is, according to who God really is, and what God told him he wanted. His acceptable offering did not come from from his imagination, his creativity, his vision, his pride, his ideas, his desires. His offering came from faith. God told him what he wanted, so he gave God what God said he wanted. That's faith. Verse 3, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Faith is anchored. That's why it's steady. What does this tell us? This is really important stuff here. Faith is anchored, and it's anchored in the reality that God is real, God is creator, and God has established all of reality on his word. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, we understand what reality really is. Not ideas that are pie in the sky, but what's actually the foundation that everything's really built on. And then we anchor ourselves to that by faith, which makes us peaceful and steady in the storms of life. It's not anxious and fickle so that when the storms come, we try to work up all the things we need to do by faith. We go deeper into the reality of God is real. God is the creator and everything that we can see is established on something that is unseen. Him and his word. What is the invisible thing that all visible things were made from? God. God. And he did it by his word. This means, we need to understand this. This is going to make a few heads turn, I think. But we'll, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll develop it. This means that faith is completely, in, in, in the purest definition of the term, faith is completely reasonable. It is completely reasonable. Faith is not risky. Faith is not crazy. Faith is not make-believe. Faith has nothing to do with your imagination, and it has nothing to do with your feelings. Faith is reasonable. Let me explain this to you, what I mean. 
I want to review something that we talked about last February when we were discussing creation in our biblical formation series. We talked about how there is an idea that, and we are told and, and we, we're kind of convinced that the momentum of the world and the culture we live in has convinced us that faith and science are in conflict. That there's this fight and it's one or the other. And the science people can't have faith because they're science people. And the faith people can't trust science because they're faith people. And now this is the impassable chasm we have. But I think it's, that's unhelpful and not true. And if we'll step back and think clearly about this, we, I think we'll, we'll begin to kind of see what we're talking about this morning. So let's go back to the beginning. Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the people of God said, Amen. Okay, so let's build a little flowchart here in our imagination, because we do need imagination for that. So we've got God, right? In the beginning, God. We got God, first, first cause, first one there, God. Okay, so we've got God, he's the main idea here. We have God, then we have time, in the beginning. Then we have creation of the heavens and the earth. Okay, we're working down. You tracking with me? We've got God, time, creation. Then we've got the heavens and the earth. On the heaven side, then we've got a lot going on there. And we're not talking about that this morning. We've got a lot going on there in the heavens. Okay, so there's like, there's layers, we'll say. We've got Shrek the onion in the heavens. Okay, so the heavens, and we've got a lot going on there. Then we've got the earth, right, which is like... The physical realm. So we've got the heavenly realm and all that's going on there. Then we've got the physical realm and all that's going on with that. So are we tracking here? Okay. So now we're in the physical world with a lot going on. One of the things going on in the physical world is planet Earth. One of the things going on on planet Earth is humans. One of the things that humans do is explore other created things. That's kind of what science is. There's no fight between science and God. The science is flowing from something. Science flows from something. So one way that we explore created reality is by assuming that there is an order to things, which means that there are things that we can actually know. So we test things so that we can learn things because we assume that we can learn things. Something can be known. So we do science. Another way that we explore created reality is by assuming that there is an order to things, which means there are things that can be understood. There are things that can be understood, so we try to understand things by thinking about them. And one of the ways we try to think through things so that we can understand what we believe can be known is by using reason. We believe that there's an order to all of this, that things are built on something, and if we want to know things, let's get into that order. Okay. So, faith. To say that faith is in conflict with science or reason is a, is a very disordered way to even think about the whole thing. Are you tracking with me? 
Faith is not in conflict with science, reason, or logic. It is the foundation of science, reason, and logic. Reason is built on the assumption that reality has a firm foundation. Otherwise, there is no reason for anything. We assume, we believe, if we reason, we believe that there is a firm foundation. What the Bible tells us right here is that faith understands that that foundation is God and his word. Verse 3, by faith we understand. We get it. We understand what's going on here. The universe was created by the word of God. So that what was seen, what is seen, was not made out of things that are visible. Faith understands that the foundation of all of this reality is God and his word. This is why a culture that does not believe in God and his word is so radically unreasonable. But they label that lack of reason, reason, and tell you you're unreasonable. There's the confusion. They are unreasonable because if reality has no foundation, then reality is whatever you want reality to be. But we understand that reality is not whatever you want it to be. Reality is built on something. So people of faith are the most reasonable people. Because people of faith understand that everything we see is built on something. That something is God, and he reveals himself to us by his word. Therefore, we do the reasonable thing, which is to build our lives on that firm, unmoving, unchanging foundation by following him and obeying his word, whether it makes sense or not to what is seen. Because we don't make sense out of everything by what is seen, not because we're unreasonable, but because we understand that the real foundation is what is unseen. But he makes himself visible to us through the revelation of himself, through his son, in his word, made manifest to us. What more reasonable thing could we do but trust him? In the beginning, he created the heavens and the earth. By him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. He is the beginning and the end. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. His word does not return void. Everything you see is temporal. He alone is eternal. Obeying him is the least crazy, most reasonable thing you could ever do with your life. You are free to reject all of this. And if you do, you are many things. You are foolish. You are debased in your thinking, darkened in your mind, unwise, arrogant, lost, unstable, and most definitely unreasonable. Verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. Forever would draw near to God, must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Yes. 
Faith does not bring you breakthrough, miracles, excitement, vision, or provision. Faith brings you near to God, and that pleases him. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God, so we're getting, the, the Bible's defining what it's saying for us. Isn't that nice? Let's keep reading. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. So let's make something up that's faith and say it pleases him. No, let's let him tell us what faith is. Okay, verse 6. Where am I here? Okay, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God, it doesn't say for whoever has faith. We're getting the definition here. We're, we're, we're getting synonymous things here. If you have, in other words, if you have faith, you will draw near to God. If you don't have faith, you won't draw near to him. Drawing near to God pleases him. If you have faith, you will draw near to him and therefore please him. If you do not have faith, you do not draw near to him. And if you are not near to him, it is impossible to please him. Faith is not believing in something. Faith is not believing in a higher power or spirituality. You don't, just, you don't get to have faith in whatever it is that you want to have faith in. That definition of faith may be a personal definition of someone's. It may be a worldly definition that people go by, but it's clearly not God's definition, which means we reject that definition in favor of God's definition because we're reasonable people. And his definition is that faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. What am I assured and convinced of? First, God exists. That's what it tells me. The first thing I'm assured of and convinced of is that God exists. As an extension of believing that God exists, you must believe that God exists as God says he exists. Otherwise, he's not God. You are. You don't believe, you don't just believe a God exists, you believe the God exists. And if he is the God, then he is defined by himself. He is not defined by whatever I believe. So believing in him means I believe in him according to who he says he is. Not according to what I want him to be, feel him to be, or prefer him to be. That is not faith. That is make-believe. Faith is assurance and conviction that God exists. The second thing that, I, that, faith, that by faith I am assured and convinced of is that he rewards those who seek him. How do you know if you have this faith that believes God exists and is a rewarder of those who seek him? You act like it. Simply believing God exists does not please him. Even the demons believe that. You also believe that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. How do you know if you believe that God rewards those who seek him? You seek him for his rewards. First, the first reward that you seek by faith, the first thing you do to please the God that exists is that you seek him for his reward of salvation. That pleases him. It is a reward even though it's given by grace. How do you receive the reward of salvation by grace? Through faith in Jesus Christ. 
Faith is not just a belief in God. Faith believes in God and trusts him alone for salvation. If you believe in God, but you don't believe in him, in, believe in him for salvation, you do not have faith. If you believe in God and do not trust in his grace for salvation, you are not a person of faith because you do not please God. He loves you, but his wrath is towards you because you believe he exists, but you don't believe he is who he says that he is. Which means that you are arrogant and prideful and God opposes the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. And so I urge you to humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. To please God, to please the God that exists, you must seek him for his reward of salvation. And the second thing you must do to please the God that exists is you must seek him for his reward of righteousness and eternal life by obeying him. Faith without works is dead. The work of faith is obedience. Obedience demonstrates faith. Not because you are risky. You don't obey because you are risky. You don't obey because you are crazy. You don't obey because you ignore all the evidence. You obey because you are reasonable. You understand that the universe was created by the word of God. You believe that he exists and you believe that he rewards those who seek him. You have surrendered your life to him and been forgiven and born again by the grace of Jesus Christ. So you, therefore, by the mercies of God, present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable response to the reality that God is who he says he is. And you are not conformed to this world. You are transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is temporal and what is the will of God. What is, what the creator of all things has determined is good, acceptable, and perfect. That's what obedience demonstrates. I want to give you a quick definition. What is faith? After all of this, what is faith? Faith is reasonable trust in the living God shown by obedience to his word. Faith is reasonable trust in God. Sorry, reasonable trust in the living God. That's what makes it reasonable. And it's shown by obedience to his word. Faith isn't hard because it's crazy, emotional, circumstantial, radical, or unreasonable. Faith isn't hard because it's illogical or because you are intellectual and analytical. Faith is hard because it's humble. Faith is hard because it's humble. I'm not God. And I can actually only understand anything through him. I'm going to wrap up our time by addressing the question, how do you get it? I want to please God. Hebrews 12 continues for us. Therefore, since... We are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Here we go, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith.
who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. How do you get faith? I'm gonna give you the most practical, tangible thing I could ever tell you for how to get faith. Fix your eyes on Jesus. That is not ethereal. That is not up there and out there. That is the most concrete thing you could ever do is fix your eyes on Jesus. He is himself the image of the invisible God, the exact imprint of his nature. He is the substance of things not seen. He is himself the word of God. Look to him, draw near to him, obey what you do know, come near to him. And as you do, let him found faith in you. Don't waste your time trying to stir it up for yourself, making yourself feel a certain thing. Go to the founder of it and say, Jesus, I need you to plant faith in me. Let him perfect faith in you as you follow him. And when you do, you will be strengthened with endurance to run the race set before you. That's what a person of faith looks like endurance you'll lay aside every sin that clings closely and once you start doing that you'll also begin to lay aside every weight that slows you down and when you do that you will find that you have been joined to the great cloud of witnesses commended unto God by this same faith that you've humbly received this faith that is anchored in God in who he is and what he says. It is not anchored in your thoughts, your feelings, or your personality. This faith that is a gift from God through his word and by his spirit, not through your emotions. This faith that comes from what God has said, it doesn't come from what you feel. This faith that is assured of God's ability to accomplish his will, it is not confidence in your own ability to do the impossible. This faith that is convinced that whatever God says, it is trustworthy. This isn't just some risk that you take. This faith that is authored and perfected by God, not stirred up in yourself. You will find that you are joined with the saints of old and the saints to come in this faith that pleases God. That's what faith is. I want you to stand as we end our time together. We're gonna have our prayer team come up. If you need prayer for anything in your life, please come and get the prayer that you need. This isn't magic, but it is surely a helpful tool for drawing near to God when you don't have the strength all in yourself. We're gonna worship for a few minutes and I'm gonna pray for us that we would fix our eyes on Jesus, that we would be a people of faith. Not because we're confident in our own strength, but we're confident in the God who exists and is the creator and sustainer of all things. And we get to be adopted into his kingdom. So come forward, prayer team. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would strengthen us right now. We thank you for your word, Jesus. We do pray that in these final moments together, that we'd be able to take just a couple of moments before our week starts and fix our eyes on you. 
And we're trusting that by your word, you will found in us something unshakable because you are unshakable. You will found in us something that perfects us because you are perfect. So come, Holy Spirit. We love you in Jesus' name.